This episode of the Beauté Industry Podcast was brought to you by Timely, the world's smartest appointment booking software helping beauty and wellness businesses better manage their time, sanity and ability to generate revenue. Hello and welcome to the Beauté Industry Podcast, your online support community for the professional beauty industry. I am your host, founding director of Beauté Industry, Tamara Reed. Here, we are closing the competitive gap and speaking your language. This is a platform created and dedicated to the professional beauty industry, valuing community over competition. We serve to help connect you with inspiration from industry experts, expand your knowledge through educational pieces, and bring you the latest in product and technology innovation. This is Beauté Industry. Today, my guest is Chelsea Bagan. I have absolute no doubt that you've saved one of Chelsea's photos to an Instagram inspo file or pinned a picture on Pinterest with the nail art creative that is Trophy Wife. Born in Melbourne in 2010, Trophy Wife initially started as a side hustle turned into something really special. A nail art and beauty space that became the anti-salon salon, known for its relaxed and inclusive vibes that host a creative space which celebrates beauty and art. Today, 10 years later in business, Chelsea's nail art has an incredible following of 35,000 across socials and has been collaborated on with some of the most recognizable brands like Mecca, Glasshouse, Platypus, Square Australia, Urban List and Kester Black, as well as featuring on the hands of the Veronicas, How To Live and Flex Mami, just to name a few. Chelsea shares with us what it's like discovering your creative love for treatments and choosing to leave what could have been a stable career pathway to join the industry, what it feels like to perform contra services when you're on the rise trying to make a name for yourself, and the self-doubt chatter that travels through our minds while taking the ultimate plunge of opening a business. Here's Chelsea and I for Beauty Industry. Chelsea, welcome to the Beauty Industry podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Ah, thank you so much for being my guest today. Um, I have been stalking and following your work for many, many years, as I'm sure most of our listeners have. So I am so excited to have a chat with you this morning. This is my first ever podcast as well, so I feel very nervous. I've said Um, no to a few before just because... I'm too nervous to speak about it. So I'm very excited to finally be doing this. I'm so glad we're um, breaking that podcast cherry for you then today. (laughs) (laughs) So Chelsea, we start our conversations all the way back at the beginning of our guest career. How did you enter into the beauty industry? I guess I kind of started in a little bit of a backwards way. I I didn't ever think that I would be doing this. I definitely didn't when I was in school. I never really foresaw this for myself. I actually studied audio engineering at uni, did three years of sound production, um, which is interesting because I couldn't even get my microphone to work this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Maybe that's saying something. So I, I moved to Sydney. I um, was feeling a little bit lost. I'd done three years of, sound production and I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with it. I didn't particularly enjoy it. Um, I got offered a job in Sydney at a artist management place, booking 
shows for musicians and things like that. And I was feeling quite lost and miserable. And I was also deep into a um, eBay addiction where I purchased my first um, nail art pens. <laughs> I was living in Sydney, which was really expensive and I couldn't really afford to do anything on a pretty low wage. So I got these pens and I was just playing around at home and with my housemates and stuff and kind of all my friends in Sydney were all asking me to do their nails for them. I was doing like little fruits and strawberries and things like that. So and I'd always had a bit of an artistic background. I've always done illustration and drawing and art all the way through school since I was a kid. So I guess it kind of started with more of an art focus. Um, so at that point, I kind of had a bit of a dream. I was like, wouldn't that be so fun if I could do this for a living? I actually really get joy from it. I really love doing it. At the same time, I know nothing about nails. I know nothing about beauty. I just was a complete novice. I just was basically starting from nothing but a dream. I remember emailing my mum from Sydney saying, oh, I really want to come home. I really want to do nails. I really want to do nail art. Um, I hadn't really seen anybody doing it in Melbourne or anywhere in Australia. I'd seen it in Europe. I'd seen it in London and New York. Um, and I remember my mum saying, oh, why would you want to do that? No one's going to like that. It seems tacky. Why would you want that? Why would you want fruits on your fingernails? <laughs> and I, I just wasn't discouraged by it, I guess. Um, so I ended up quitting my job and I moved home and I was like, okay, I'm just going to start practicing this on myself and my friends. So one of my friends, I'd moved back home with my parents out in the burbs in Melbourne and one of my friends was also living out there and we'd just get together for hours and I'd do her nails for like five-hour sessions. Um, and it kind of got to a point where friends were asking me to do it and I, it was like, okay, I, I think I'd, I should probably actually know what I'm doing. <laughs> this, this might be the time that I study doing something that I actually really want now that I've grown up a little bit and I've found a passion. So yeah, I went and did my first uh, nail course, my manicurist course, essentially. Um, remember at the time being really put off by the fact that my course included acrylics at the time. It's <laughs> like, I don't want any part of this. I just want to do nail art. Um, I wish that I'd taken the time then to just like really embrace the study and really like learn everything really well from the beginning. But I guess you always learn these things in hindsight. Um, I have obviously gone back throughout my career and done lots of extra professional courses and things like that. But I wish that I hadn't been so stubborn in the beginning to make sure that I learnt all of those other things that are all really valuable and important from the very beginning. So yeah, I started doing that, doing manicures on my friends. I found that really difficult at first. Obviously, art came very naturally to me. Um, but the manicure side of things felt very daunting to me because I just really wanted to do a really good job. And it was just so foreign because I'd not done anything beauty related. At this point, I was probably like 20, 19, 20. And I was really scared because I felt like a bit of an imposter. I felt like I'd done this all the wrong way around and I just wanted to be good at it and wanted people to take me seriously. And where do I begin? Like I didn't want to just go straight into a salon where I'd never done anything like that before. So I decided I was just going to freelance, which I probably would have learned a lot more 
quicker if I had have actually gone and worked in a salon. I think these days it probably would be a bit easier to do that because um, there's probably more opportunity and specifically the style of nails that I do, there's a lot more salons that are offering this. So it would probably be more enticing now. <laughs> so yeah, so I just started doing nails from home at first, I think, or I was going to people's houses. I, um, I got a little bit of a lucky break. I'd been doing it for a couple of months and my best friend's housemate was a writer for a website called 3000, which I don't think it's around anymore, but it was basically a what's on in Melbourne um, newsletter that every week gave you like cool things to do or places to go. It was kind of like the first version of that that really came around um, on the internet and she was a writer for it. And at the time they were getting together to do an article on the best nail salons in Melbourne. And she had said, I know this girl that's doing this nail art. She'd paint watermelons on your fingernails. Why don't we do a story just on that rather than all of the salons altogether? So she was like, do you want to be on it? You have to come to the office and do this stranger's nails <laughs> and then they'll write a story about it. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't even have a website. I don't even have a Facebook page. I just have my mobile phone number, nothing, no branding, nothing. <laughs> it was just kind of like, oh, my God, what's happening here? I felt like I was just being thrown into the deep end. But I feel like that's kind of the way I've always worked best. It's being like, okay, this opportunity's happened. I'm going to do it, throw myself in the deep end. I'm going to stay up all night tonight, make myself a website, and I'm going to go there tomorrow and almost just pretend that I am who I want to be. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I remember going, going there before with a friend and we went to this pub next door, had a Sambuca shot beforehand to give myself some courage. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. And then we went in and they had a photographer and like a desk set up in their office and they filmed the whole process. I did watermelons. That was kind of like my thing when I began I guess that my fruits were like my foray into nail art um and yeah things just kind of escalated from there I guess and at that point I was I was getting a bit sick of going to people's houses and having people come to my own house I just it felt I felt a bit uneasy about it and you just never really know what you're going into I also didn't drive so I was catching public transport or taxis everywhere so um, I had a friend who had an art, little tiny art gallery on Johnson Street in Collingwood. And he said, you could use it after, after hours if you want to. I'll give you a key and you can come up and set up in the middle of an art gallery. Just a tiny little shop front. Um, so I did that. It was the first week that I'd had my article came out. And I remember my first day I had like a little tiny school desk and a little um, <laughs> nail box of stuff that I'd bought from Priceline. And off I went. And so I did that for a, probably a couple of months before I decided that I needed my own space that I could just set up and come and go as I please. Because at that time I was still working full time as well. So it was really just like cramming in these nail appointments whenever I could after work mm -hmm. um, until that kind of finally 
I was waiting for the balance to tip of when I could step back from working full time. And um, I did really take the whole thing very slowly rather than just being like, okay, I'm doing this, getting a space. Um, Cause I, you know, needed to pay my rent and yeah. all of that. I think that's the thing that I, I get asked the most these days from therapists and people who want to go out on their own. They're like, when is the right time? You know, and, and my answer is always when you've got a clientele that you know, if you open the doors, you're not going to be sitting there twiddling your thumbs. You Absolutely. Know? And I love that you had that foresight. I mean, very young, 1920 to go, I'm going to put my whole study and, and future career and I'm going to do nail art. I, I think sometimes that naivety as well. I mean, if, if you knew all of the work that you would have had to do to get the business off the ground now, you would be like, oh, maybe I'll just continue that study. <laughs> yeah, I feel like almost that that I know that now almost does hold me back in some aspects now because I'm just like, oh, that's a lot of work to do that. Whereas then I've, I've always been the kind of person who I've always wanted to work for myself. I've, that's always been my main drive, I guess. For a long time, I just wasn't really sure what that was or what my passion was or where I was going. I knew that I would find it. My parents both have worked for themselves my whole life. So I guess I kind of had that um, indie from them. And seeing them do it, it seemed completely normal for me to, for, to do something like that, to pursue it. Yeah, I still can't kind of believe that it, that's how it all happened, but I'm so glad it did. It's definitely yeah. been, been hard along the way. The beginning was really hard. You know, I had no idea. I don't, I think um, then the Instagram wasn't even really a thing. It was just kind of taking off. I remember like posting pictures and people being like what the hell is this <laughs> I, <laughs> well, I, I was gonna say you mentioned before like you know you're about to do this news article and the shot of Sam Booker before you go <laughs> in and you don't have a Facebook or a website or anything like that and social media wasn't big back then I mean it was kind of just like you know, you'd post on your friend's wall on Facebook to say, hey, where are we having pre-drinks this weekend? It wasn't like a, a medium where businesses were taking advantage and they were getting new clients and getting their word of mouth out. How did you kind of do your marketing and, and build your clientele? At the time, it, I feel like it was a bit of, I want to say it was a bit of luck, but it probably was, I probably am a little bit of a hustler inside as well. Um, the 3000 article was like a huge thing because everybody that I, in my circle and people that I socialize with all really read it and really like did all the things and it was real and genuine. And I feel like a lot of things like websites like that now are all very strongly advertising based and it doesn't feel genuine. So I feel like at that time, before everything was super monetized. Yeah, it was genuine. So people were like, this must be a good thing. So I felt like having that endorsement from the very beginning was really good for me. Um, and then I did do, I did do a lot of things for free in the beginning, which yeah, looking back now, like I'm sure we'll get to this later of things that I've learned, but I wish that I knew my value earlier. Um, but at the same time, at that point, before there was really huge Instagram or social media following, 
I kind of feel like that was the only way that I could really get in front of people's faces. I was just like cold emailing people being like, can I do your nails? Like, do you need something for this? And then also just like networking with friends who were writers of other publications and things like that. Like I had a friend who wrote for Oyster. We did like our own little feature. Um, So she wrote the story and I did the pictures for it and things like that. And then by this stage, social media was just starting to take off. So, and I guess being nail art, a very visual medium, people were sharing pictures and um, it became very word of, word of mouth as well. Like, I feel like for me, I definitely wasn't the first person doing nail art in Melbourne. Now, at the time, I probably thought that I was because like I'd just fallen into this and it was just like a hobby that I really loved. It wasn't something that I'd been really like honing for years and years and years and studying since I left school. Um, but I, I feel like I was doing it in a very different way, maybe because I didn't come from that background. Um, so I guess that's what people liked for me, that it came from a more design consideration rather than super technical, beauty, technical yes. beauty, French tip. kind of of thing (laughs) well as you said before like it was quite big in in america and also the uk i mean i hadn't really heard of nail art properly in especially in melbourne but in australia until um about 2000 and when was it maybe uh 10 when i went on the cruise ships and they specifically hired nail art therapist and I was like wow what is is this like I had never heard of it you know like at in beauty school it was just like French manicure you had to do a red polish you had to do a basic you know manicure a paraffin wax you know (laughs) cruise ships and I was like oh my goodness these girls are another level like the tips and um diamonds and chains and all of that (laughs) kind of stuff yeah what is going on here and I think that's when I came back and I started noticing your stuff because my my perspective was like okay this is this is actually out there it's something mm. and then kind of seeing more of the the art you mentioned before that you kind of didn't obviously train technically at the start and the art drove you how did you then pick up that kind of manicure and the filing and all of that that buried beauty stuff around the art it was really hard I mean anything is I mean you know when you've not ever done it before but I just practice a lot I did a lot on friends and um I was really passionate about it I really wanted it and I really wanted to be good at it and I guess when it's your my business was my baby really like I everything I did was for that like I would only thought about that all the time and if I wasn't at my full-time job I was doing that or sometimes I was doing that at my full-time job (laughs) um And I just really wanted it so bad. It was so important to me to be good at it. And I didn't want to spend so long and so many hours wanting to do great art for the foundation to not look good. And, you know, there's definitely been times in the beginning that I was really unhappy with what I've done, but I feel like those kinds of moments really push you to, like get better and then I went and did a lot lot of like more short courses and a lot more training and stuff like that to come try and refine refine what I knew and I guess had friends who did come from really beauty backgrounds who I learned a lot off 
yeah so I guess it was just like asking questions and seeking things out and I feel like when you study beauty I feel like nails isn't really people kind of think about it as kind of like you just got to pass this unit kind of thing and even when I did my manicurist course it was a dedicated manicurist course and I really felt like even the nail art was just like ah, just what's nothing just get through it it doesn't matter and I felt like there was no passion there for anyone and I just really wanted that so I really tried to seek it out in other ways and inspiration from like Wah Nails was really big in London at the time when I first started and really just loved everything that they did so After the break, Chelsea shares with us the scale-up process of moving into her own space and hiring staff, some of her more memorable nail art designs she's painted, as well as some of her biggest lessons in business. But first, a word from today's Beauté partner. Community, you know all too well how pro I am about all things online booking and working smarter, not harder in 2020, and our friends at Timely help you to do just that. Timely is a powerful booking and business management software for businesses of any size and ambition. Designed to help you save hours on admin, deliver exceptional client experience, establish a much-loved brand and grow your revenue with over 500 software updates every year, Timely is always on a mission to help you get the best from your business. Timely works beautifully with Tyro, Xero, QuickBooks, MailChimp, Square, Google Calendar, and more. So why not join over 40,000 global Timely customers today? If you've been thinking about making the switch from pen and paper or want to test a new salon software system, visit www.gettimely.com to start a free 14-day trial. The Timely team has an exclusive offer for the listeners of today's episode where you get 50% off Timely for your first two months. Such an incredible offer by using the promo code Tamara20. That's Tamara and the number 20. Thank you so much to the team at Timely for making this episode possible. And now back to Chelsea. Us Australians, we have a little bit of a um, chip on our shoulder and we're almost like too good for the nails. You know, I've seen that a lot yeah. a lot in beauty school and it's like, why do I have to do this? You know, and especially um, in times where I've recruited in the past and um, therapists have said to me, oh, you know, I love, I love doing the spa treatments. I love doing skin, but I, I'm shocking at nails. And it's, it's, it's so hard because as a beauty salon, you've got to offer that full service. But if therapists aren't passionate about it or they're not good at it or they kind of just, as you said, they just do the course, they pass it to get the certificate, but then they're unemployable from a manicure-pedicure perspective in salon, that's really difficult. Um, I want to ask you, so you're in Johnson Street at this time in your friend's art gallery. How did you make the move into making your own space and why did that come about? I was feeling a bit claustrophobic being in somebody else's space and the constant packing up and packing down became really tiring. It was very close to my house and it was very easy, but I just hated having to be reliant on somebody else, um, like having to go and ask for keys. Like I didn't, obviously didn't have my own key because they're not going to just let me get in there with the art. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it just became a bit of a like pressure point where I was just, I can't be here anymore. I need, 
if I'm going to grow, I need something, but I need something that's not a huge commitment at the same time. I wasn't going to just go out straight away and get a commercial space because I didn't have the clientele then anyway. I was still kind of like a side hustle at that point. Um, So I just started looking for creative spaces. So I wasn't really looking for specifically beauty. I was looking at like shared art spaces with private rooms and things like that. I think I found the one that I found initially, which was just down the street from the gallery was on the website creative spaces and it was a brand new building. It was in a sky rise kind of building in Collingwood and they'd separated all little booths in there um, like with walls. So I could have like, it was really tiny. It was probably like two by two meters. It was enough for like a desk and a couch and like my nail polish design. (laughs) Um, And I was there for a few months but I, and like, that was really exciting. It was really fun to get in there and just be like, all my things are set up. It's how I want it. It can come and go as I please. It's 24 hours. Come after work. I can be there to create because it was nice to get out of my house, to like think of designs and um, trying to get people from publications in to get their nails done. It was nice to like have a space that was mine very modest now that I think back on it I thought it was so cool at the time (laughs) um uh, but I was there for probably a few months but I there wasn't many people in there at that point and there was a guy next door who was a painter and men just have no tolerance for the smell of nail polish it was really hard and it's true (laughs) he mentioned it a couple of times like I specifically got the studio with a door to the balcony so that I could like try and air it out because <laughs> I wasn't doing any gel or anything like that at this point. It was hundred percent natural nail, normal nail polish manic- um, manicures. And then it just be- kind of became a thing. And I was really like paranoid about offending him with the smell and I felt really uncomfortable there. And I didn't really know what I was going to do about it. Cause I couldn't, I can't make the smell go away didn't want to affect his his painting <laughs> at the same time so then I was like okay I, I think I just need to get out of here I need to be somewhere private it'll be a nicer vibe and then I moved again to Brunswick Street above a shop which was so so beautiful I was there for probably a year I would say um, and that was kind of when things really started to take off I was Instagram had also really taken off then so I was doing a lot of that I was on the design files, which was like a huge goal for me. Like I just still just couldn't even believe that that even happened. And I was doing lots of collaborations with them. I think that kind of came about because I did um, a pop-up nail bar at, um, there's a style interior stylist called Megan Morton and she had a book signing, which had all polka dots all over the cover of her book. And so she hired me to come to paint polka dots on people's fingernails oh, at the, the book launch so they could get <laughs> photos with their books and their nails, which was really cute, which I feel like that was kind of when everyone was starting to try and use social media, these added little creative things to go along with their promotions of things. Um, yeah, so I was there for a while and that was when I was like, I think that I need to bring on a staff. Mm. kind of getting to that point now I at that point I probably was working casually at my old job I think I was doing 
weekends. So I was really trying to hone in on doing this full time at that point. Amazing. What's the most craziest thing I hear you take requests that people have ever asked you to paint? I mean, you talk about fruit and watermelon and and ladybugs and things like that. (laughs) Have you had just any really random requests? I think that I, I think if you said, what about this? I've probably painted it before that literally so much. I think the weirdest I still say today was, um, I painted a lamb on the spit once. Oh, actually, <laughs> I saw that. Is that on your Yeah, Instagram? yeah. It was for Greek Easter, I think. <laughs> it was a joke. It was, um, yeah, some three Greek sisters came in. They were like, that would be so funny for Greek Easter if you got a lamb on the spit. But we've done everything from um, painting people's partner's face for their weddings or no way. foods or, yeah, sky's the limit, really. <laughs> I'm going to get my cat on my nails. <laughs> <laughs> I've done a lot of pet portraits in my time. <laughs> I can imagine. So you've been in business now for 10 years that it feels like it is. It's such a long time. Congratulations. Because in this industry, it's almost like two, three years. It's kind of the expiry date of a therapist. And then it's like, five to kind of eight years is almost the expiry date of a business owner and you've almost surpassed 10 now. How does that feel for you? Very strange, very surreal. I kind of, it feels like time has flown by, but also that I've been doing this for my whole life at the same time. It's definitely, there's definitely been times when I have thought, can I keep doing this forever? Just having a small business is so hard and any any therapist or beauty salon owner would feel the same. Sometimes you think, is it worth it? But then I can't imagine myself doing anything else. So I feel very proud of it. I feel at this point in my life, I can step back a little bit and feel pride for what I've done. And especially doing nails is a very low profit, um, low margin service, really like, I feel like that's often why salons have to have other services and things like that because, you know, you can't charge too much for nails. So I'm proud of myself for making that work. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually heard a lot of business owners say, um, you know, I can't, I almost can't sustain nails as a service anymore on my beauty menu because it is a low profiting business. Do you feel like that's ever kind of, got in the way of how you charge what you charge definitely I you know for those you know still I have anxiety going to the accountant every year (laughs) and I I just would never get it out of my mind I remember going one year early on and the accountant saying wow you must just really enjoy doing this because you certainly (laughs) doesn't make you anything <laughs> what have you learned along those 10 years I mean you know I'm sure you've learned kind of to value yourself and and you are a business owner and sometimes as a business owner we fall into the pathway of just being the technician and doing the treatments and then you know kind of burying our head in the sand is there anything that you feel like you've really developed along the way yes I guess yeah like you said the valuing thing I really think that at um, the very beginning I really undervalued myself and undervalued my skill set and 
I did that constantly along the way. And I was really, because I felt like I was an imposter and I felt like I couldn't charge for doing something that I just loved so much. And that almost just felt like a hobby to me. Like I felt like I couldn't ask for what I was worth. And I did a lot of things for free for big companies that could have afforded to pay for me and that I, I should have asked for more or anything or more than product in exchange for, you know, my art and my livelihood. And mm. I, I feel like I would probably been in a different position financially earlier if I had have valued myself more from the start. And, you know, looking back, I've, I've learned to be able to ask for what I'm worth now and it's still hard and I still have anxiety about it and sometimes I still don't know because a lot of the time I'm just like I've not seen anybody do this before so I don't have anyone to ask so I don't know what I'm entitled to here but at least now I can say I'm worth something you want you you know you want to use my brand and my skills I should be paid for that because that is my job my career and that's how I live um, yeah. So I've definitely, I'm still working on it. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a quote that says, you're not paying for the time that I'm doing your treatment. You're paying for the time that I learned how to do the treatment, you know? So for you, it's not like you're paying for 60 minutes for a manicure. You're paying for 10 years of startup and creativity and investment and hard work and hustle. And it's all of that, that, that somebody is paying for. But I guess at the start we're like, Oh, I'll just, I'll just give them a free treatment to get a feature in whatever kind of publication, or this is a celebrity. So therefore I have to give it for free when it's more like these publications, and celebrity and high profile people they've got more money than the average person does who we're charging so it's yep. kind of backwards isn't it yeah and I almost feel like now doing now being now saying no to more things and saying no I don't do that for free this is my this is my price you I get more work out of that I feel because people are like okay she's a professional she's gonna come and do a good job because she values herself and what she's doing and it must be worth it. So I really feel like that, that has been a shift rather than feeling like it's a privilege to be asked to work. Yes, absolutely. What do you know now that you wish you knew when you first started? I wish that I, it's all good in hindsight. I wish that I, um, I wish that I knew how to balance better. I wish that I had taken time along the way to just appreciate what I was doing and to, you know, step away. I feel like it's really important to have balance in your life and to take time away from social media and from the salon and to have a weekend every, like I've only just started now having one weekend a month, which is I have a Saturday off and (laughs) really enjoy it. I feel like it's really important to your mental health and also your clarity and creativity and your drive for your business as well to be able to step away and look at it when you're not there and be like, these are the things that we need to do or change. Um, And I wish that I'd taken the time to do that earlier along the way, rather than feeling like I just need to push, 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 push constantly. 
Mm, that's a really great lesson because I think when you give your mind space to not be in your space physically um, and mentally and emotionally and everything that comes with that, we're like, oh my goodness, look at the grass, look at the birds, look at this wine. You know, we're like, this yep. is so good. And then that actually gives us reflection time and to go, okay, why am I feeling so peaceful and content here? And maybe even considering selling the business just in this one weekend, what do I need to change when I go back, you know, and that might be, I'm going to have Mondays off so that I can do the books every 30th of the month. Or, you know, I think as business owners, I know for myself personally, and for a lot of business owners, we have this belief that more time in the business makes what we think it's going to give us more money or we feel like we have to work harder, longer to reward ourselves with the money that we take as profit, as an income. But it's not like that. It's actually when you work uh, smarter, not harder, that we're able to sit and stop and actually make better changes for our business. So I love that you say that. Absolutely. I feel like uh, we were talking about this before we started recording, but the isolation period that we're in at the moment it's been quite overwhelming and especially during the first lockdown in Melbourne, we're in our second lockdown at the moment, but it's good forced time to a take time off and make sure that I'm doing that. Um, but also structured time to be like, okay, this is a gift in a way to, yeah, to take that time out that I've been so desperately seeking my whole career that I haven't been able to, where I also can't go away or travel or do other things or be distracted. It's this is time as a gift to plan and think about where I want to go or where we want to go um, and embrace it really, but also not feel like you have to do that because it's important to check out, I think. Yes. And I know a lot of business owners have felt guilt around the lockdown because they've been seeing other people on social media or reading how people are pivoting and going online and opening online stores and they've been sitting there going oh my goodness should I be doing that but you know I, I've spoken to some business owners and they've not had a holiday in like 10 20 30 years and I'm like this is your holiday this is your stop this is your pause this is your reset um, and that's perfectly fine you know you yeah. don't have to always be hustling because you're going to be burnt out you're going to be absolutely exhausted and also just the representation of what other people are doing on Instagram is just absolutely no yes um you know code for what success is or if they're doing really well and like you know so often I perceive businesses as just being so successful and oh my god why can't I be more like that why can't I be more driven why am I watching Netflix when I should be just <laughs> working every second of the day to make the most of it because they're so successful but it's just never that's never how you think it is no, it's never as it seems. Speaking of the future and, and kind of what's next for you coming out of lockdown and, uh, you know, a lot of people are saying that they're riding off 2020, but I feel like this is our reset time and we should almost be like planning for the rest of the year. You've had some pretty impressive collaborations already with people like Kester Black, for example. What is next for yourself, both personally, professionally? Are you going to open up more spaces? Are you going to niche down even harder? What does that look like for you? It's hard to say. I have, I have a few partnerships that have been in the works for a while for next year, which 
it's hard to say with everything that's going on at the moment because obviously the landscape of retail and everything's changing quite a bit. So it's going to be interesting to see how that all pans out. Um, I don't really see, I, at the beginning, I really wanted to have stores everywhere across Australia. That would be so good. But I, I think that I just really, I just want to hone in on what I have and I really want our place to just be fantastic. And I just really you know, the further that you move away from that, the harder it is to control the quality and what's going on and how it, how it is. And I just, just only want to try and keep good experiences. And, you know, I kind of love that we have that where we are. So I think that I'll probably continue to do like partnerships and pop-ups and things like that um, on more of a temporary level. But I think that where we are, we'll stay as our home base for the foreseeable future. Um, I think we probably will pivot a little bit to having a bit more online presence as well. Um, I planned to do it in the first lockdown, but I didn't really happen. I did <laughs> one or two for some, um, some brands that I work for, but, um, like filming a lot more content and things like that, which is always something I've always wanted to do and know that I could, but the salon kind of always took first priority. So it took a back seat. So I think that that will happen a bit more in this time around, a lot more content focused things. But yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Who knows? I always kind of do space. things on the fly. So <laughs> <laughs> sometimes that's the best way to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very exciting. Well, I wish you all the best and um, can't wait to see what you've got in store. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for being my guest today. Isn't Chelsea just divine? I always learn so much from our guests and today we have learned lots of tangible takeaways from startup and scale-up advice through to creativity and technical passion, all the way through to the devil that is comparison and the lesson that is to value ourselves. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. To take a look at the weird and wonderful nails that Chelsea has drawn, including Macca's fries, avocados, Pokemon, pugs, flames, and even eyeballs, go and give them a little love on the gram at Trophy Wife Nail Art and feel free to share this episode by tagging them and us at Beauty Industry to show how much you loved hearing Chelsea's story today. Us, of course, well, you can come and join the conversation over in our Facebook community by searching for Beauté Industry, join us at an in-person or virtual event, or even learn from the industry's best educators and coaches to help level up your business over in our online portal, Beauté Academy. A very big thank you for your time and your ears. You guys always give me proud business owner tingles when I see the episode plays that you've downloaded. Until next time, stay connected.